we know that all things work together for good. For those who love God, who are called according to His purpose. For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the, to the image of His Son, in order that He might be the firstborn, the large one. And those who he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. What then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? And he who did not withhold his own son, but gave him up for all of us, Will not he, will he not with him also give us everything else? Who will bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? It is Jesus, it is Christ Jesus, who died, this, who was, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed intercedes for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Through hardship or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword, as it is written. For your sake we are being killed all day long. We are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God and Christ Jesus, our Lord. Thanks be to God. The word of the Lord. Um, it is easier to read in Spanish than it is in English. Uh, I have almost memorized it in Spanish, but I, I kind of got lost in trying to read it in English. So, El Señor es mi luz y mi salvación, a quien temeré. The Lord is my light and my salvation, whom should I fear? Um, I chose that reading because those are the words that Mariana and Ingram from El Salvador told me when, when I revealed to her that I'm undocumented. And, and those are the first words that she told me. Dios es mi luz y mi salvación, I can't remember. God is my light and my salvation, no care out here. So the reason that I'm here today is because I'm one of the few undocumented immigrants that you're going to um, find out in Harvard. There are a lot of immigrants here in Cambridge uh, working, but I'm, I'm blessed to have the opportunity to have an education and, and to be here. So I have this duty and this responsibility to speak for the community that I come from. And what I want to do today, I want to share a couple of studies, studies with you maybe two or three, 
uh, that bring you closer to undocumented experience, that bring you closer uh, to understand, not only to be able, but to understand how is it to believe and to have faith as someone who's undocumented. Um, I think that's simply put over the, the immigration issue can be reduced to saying that in this country we're okay to in this country we're okay with the fact that we're throwing people away. We're okay with the fact that we have a group of people that are disposable, that can come to work and that can be exploited and that have no benefits. And that we can just report them. One day a man wakes up, it's a regular day, he gets ready to go to work, but never comes back home. That same afternoon I get a call from my dad saying that my uncle got detained by ICE. It was my first semester in college, freshman year. And I got worried not only about my uncle, but also about my dad. How do you sit down in class thinking that your family is going to get deported? When some of my classmates were thinking about their exams or what they, what they were going to do that weekend, uh, how, they were gonna, how they were going to celebrate, I was thinking about organizing so I could continue with my with my education, but before I continue, let me make sure I don't, I don't go over time, so uh, I'm gonna time myself. But what I wanna do through this story is I wanna give you a glimpse on how undocumented immigrants deal with the fact that we're disposable people, that we're people that we can get rid of in this society uh, at any day, at any time. Um, and the title of my, my sermon is uh, We Choose to Have Faith. And we choose to have faith because we need to have faith. We believe because we need to believe. I think uh, it's, a, it's a different relationship with the, with the divine, with God. And I didn't want to start that example gives an example of this is um, a story about my family the, the first semester that I was here in the fall of 2015 it was really hard for me because I moved to Texas when I was 15 and it was hard to be away from my mom because uh, she went back to Mexico uh, I was really close to her growing up I was so close to her that I didn't ask her permission to go pee um, that's right, I didn't make that um, But my mom wasn't as cruel as, as my sister is. My, I have a nephew who does the same thing. My, my mom used to ignore me and my, my sister chose not to my nephew, so it's a little bit hard. But my mom was able to move to the U.S. when she was uh, in 2013. Uh, only after my grandmother passed away. In, in Mexico, we're from the northern Mexico, and, and my family, my dad and my younger brother are in Austin, Texas right now. So my first semester here, 
kind of being here in a new culture, in a new environment, away from my family, trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. And I remember one morning I received a call from my mom and she sounded really desperate. Her voice was friendly, she was crying. And I got scared because I didn't know what was happening. And what she told me, kind, she said that, Conmigo, mijo, Tonio, Tonio tuvo un accidente. She said, my son, mijo, Tonio had a car accident. Your brother-in-law had a car accident. And I thought he was in the hospital. I thought something terrible had happened, but I didn't realize the magnitude of what, what was happening. Then she told me that he actually had passed away. Um, I immediately thought about my sister, who's older than me, 28 right now. At that time, she had two children and she was pregnant. And it was a really hard time because I even thought about dropping out of school. I thought I was starting to work. What it was certainly going to look like for me and my family now. What I knew at that moment is that my mom wanted to go back to Mexico to be with my sister. And it was hard because she was gonna leave my dad and my younger brother and Austin and she wasn't gonna be able to come back. So we were still thinking about what to do when some hours later she calls me and she told me she was on her way to Mexico. And we knew she we knew we we were sure she wasn't gonna come back because her tooth is a hard spine. So I remember that what she told me um, on her way there when, when she called me, she told me that she had to go back to be with my sister because she, she said that to sufrir and sufrir that means that her, her pain, my sister's pain was her pain, my mom's pain. Her pain was her pain, her suffering was her suffering. So she had to be with her. May I, may I suggest that for, for the problem of immigration that I'm talking about, the problem of having disposable people, of throwing people away. We, before we talk about policy, before we talk about organizing, we have to change the way we see ourselves and the change we see other people, especially the way we see undocumented people. That is, if we recognize them as people, not as objects to be exploited, we may start to have relationships with them. We may start to get, them, get to know them personally. And if we do that, maybe when we learn about their stories, their pain may become our pain. Maybe their suffering may become our suffering. And even their joys may become our joys. But their struggle may also become our struggle so that we may be able to struggle together.
I think I have another story that can help you see this struggle, even in the face of deportation, even in the face of uncertainty, in the face of the unknown. Growing up in Mexico, it was really familiar to me stories about crossing the border to the north, to the other lado, the other side, to the U.S. It was something normal for me to hear stories about people coming up to the U.S. The mojados, weapons. You see that word is not it when used within the Mexican undocumented community. It's not a bad word. This is so normal to the experience of growing up poor in Mexico that you have to go to Mojado, you have to go with, without papers to the north. The border crossing is part of something that people are not in the north of from Mexico expect to do some points in their lives, either permanently or temporarily. So I heard those stories growing up, but I also heard those stories working with construction workers in, in Texas, Mexican construction workers. And one of my favorite stories is the story of Carlos, uh, my friend who's actually my sister's brother-in-law. Uh, he was telling me the first about the first time he crossed the border in Italy with my cousin sister and with all our friends. And to make the story short, because I don't have a lot of time, at some point when they crossed the Rio Grande, Rio Grande River, they were they were into the desert. They didn't have more food. Cesar and Rosa didn't have any more water, but Carlos did. Cesar and was ready to give up, and he said to Carlos to leave it there. He didn't have any more air to continue walking through the desert. He was ready to die. He didn't want to go on. He said, just leave me there, my kid. Go on by yourself. And what Carlos did, he shared some of his wire with my cousin sister so he could continue, but that wasn't enough. So he took Cesar on his back and continued walking for a couple miles until he couldn't walk anymore. And then He put Cesar down and he sat down and saw they finished their work and none of them could go anywhere. Well, someone who doesn't believe in God would say that it happened because they were close to, they walked far enough that they were close to a home on the side of the border and this person helped them in gave them water, and that was the turning point for them to continue and to survive. But from the standpoint of someone who's undocumented and has heard the water immediately, there's always this point in the journey where you see God's presence and intervention of God. That is a turning point. That is the difference between life and death. 
the favorite line that I have from those stories and talking to my own players is uno de mi porque Dios es muy grande. We're alive today because God is so mighty. God can introduce and continue to live and continue to, to introduce in our lives as a documentary people. So I don't, I don't have any solution to the problem of immigration in terms of economic policy or anything like that. What I have is a suggestion, and the suggestion is that we start to recognize that undocumented people are in fact people, so that we may start to build relationship with them, so that their soul may become our soul, so that we do what Cesar and Carlos did. That is, if someone is thirsty today, we're going to share their water. And we may not have water to tomorrow, but that's okay. We're going to struggle together today and we may be deported or even we may even die tomorrow, but if we do that, we're going to do that together with faith that God is going to intervene in some, some way in our lives and save us. Um, really grateful to be here. I hope that my story can can bring you closer to the undocumented experience so that our pain may also become your pain, so that our suffering may become your suffering, so that our struggle may become your struggle, so that we may struggle together in the name of God. Amen. Please stand now and join on page 2238 in the Faith We Sing, the Black Hymnal, in the midst of new dimensions. Of new dimensions in the face.